0: fastgrowingtrees.com code pool. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to timcast.com Click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from Timcast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Don Jr. says that we should end the boycott of Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch. And uh, he makes some pretty good arguments, but I'm not sure I, I entirely agree. Over the weekend, we saw a bunch of news. For one, on Friday, seemingly reeling from the boycott, Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch issued a statement, which was a non-apology. And they also put out some pro-America ad featuring a horse, you know, running through the streets. And it's like, okay, we get it. They are doing everything possible to address the boycott and the controversy without just saying sorry. It's the craziest thing to me. Craziest thing. So Don Jr. comes out and he says, look, anheuser Bush donates a ton of money to Republicans. Therefore, we shouldn't persist in this boycott. And there's a fair point to be made in that, well, the media is basically calling this an apology. So you can take the media victory, but I'm not so sure I agree. I'm not so sure. You know, of course, there's always the PR narrative where we can go around and say, after the boycott, anheuser Bush put out the statement basically apologizing saying they were sorry for doing this, but I'm not sure it's good enough. If Anheuser-Busch really is this company that loves America and really does cherish you and your vote and does support the Republican Party, it should be no problem for them to say sorry. Instead, they put out, you know, we never intended to be divisive. What does that mean? It means they don't care about you. So this is what Don Jr. is basically saying, like, look, it's conservative, conservative leaning Bud Light. You know, we don't want to. No, 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 Don, you're losing. If this company really was going to be, you know, cared about Republicans, donated more to Republicans, apparently they do. They would have no problem saying, hey, guys, we looked at our bottom line. Turns out supporting Dylan Mulvaney was bad for business. Let's apologize to our core base customers. And move on. Instead, they said, let's issue a vague non-apology so we don't offend that base. Well, hold on. Who does Budweiser, who does Anheuser-Busch care about more? Apparently, not you. That's the point. So I'm not so sure. But we do get a lot of updates. Got a lot. Got, got a lot of updates. The media, for one, is desperately trying to, well, they're lying about what's going on. And they're claiming eh, it's not really a big deal. Nothing's happening over target, over target. Let me give a shout out to country star Riley Green, who removes Bud Light from his hit song lyrics and the crowd goes wild. This is it. This is the massive impact that Anheuser-Busch has made by sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney and the media over the Washington Post. They're lying about it. Look at this one. Bud Light chief says he never intended Boycott over trans star Dylan Mulvaney. In this article from the Washington Post, they lie about why people are mad and they lie about the impact. Sure. And I want to read for you the statement from Anheuser Bush for those that may have missed it because uh, they put it out Friday evening and I'm not going to let that one go. Anheuser Bush put out their statement Friday evening, hoping that the story would all just go away. Well, it's Monday morning, first thing, and I make sure y'all are hearing about the latest developments in the Anheuser-Busch boycott because no, it ain't over. And I disagree with Don Jr. Let's, let's talk about the impact real quick before I read the statement. Country music artist Riley Green, he had a song. He said, I wish grandpa's never died uh, in, in, in his song. I wish Grandpa's never died. And he says the cooler is always full of Bud Light, but he changed it to Coors Light and the crowd all started cheering. Think about that. Bud Light had earned attention, earned press in that their brand was so iconic a, a country music singer said the cooler is always full of Bud Light, a reference to heaven, perhaps, or something like that. And he changed it to Coors Light, meaning they lost that brand recognition. And that is priceless. There, you can't buy that. You cannot buy that influence. You lost it. Let's talk about what's going on and where Anheuser-Busch is currently at. Uh, our responsibility to America, they say. As the CEO of a company founded in America's heartland more than 165 years ago, I am responsible for ensuring every consumer feels proud of the beer we brew. Oh, is that so? Well, if y'all want to support our work, go to castbrew.com and purchase our coffee because we ain't woke. But let's, let's read more. We're honored to be a part of the fabric of this country. Anheuser-Busch employs more than 18,000 people. Our independent distributors employ an additional 47,000 valued colleagues. We have thousands of partners, millions of fans, and a proud history of supporting our communities. Military, first responders, sports fans, and hardworking Americans everywhere. We never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. We are in the business of bringing people together over beer. My time serving this country taught me the importance of accountability and the values upon which America was founded. Freedom, hard work, and respect for one another. As CEO of Anheuser-Busch, I am focused on building and protecting our remarkable history and heritage. I care deeply about this country, this company, our brands, and our partners. I spend much of my time traveling across America, listening to and learning from our customers, distributors, and others. Moving forward, I'll continue to work tirelessly to bring great beers to consumers across our nation. Well, let me tell you, my friends, I don't drink beer. Um, I, I, So, you know, maybe this just goes over your head, whatever. Maybe I'm not, I'm not the guy for this. But I got to tell you. This is not an apology. This is unacceptable. In fact, this makes me more angry. You know why? This was an attempt to placate the left. Let me tell you why I'm upset with Dylan Mulvaney. Most of you probably know Dylan Mulvaney is marketing beer to children. That's the first and foremost thing. The second thing is, we are in the heart of the algorithmic crisis. That is, the algorithm fe- creating a feedback loop of nonsense, which is actually destroying the minds of young people. Dylan Mulvaney is the perfect example of this, as I've spoken about ad nauseum. And Bud Light provided resources, presumably, that the reporting was that a kind of sponsorship deal that Dylan Mulvaney likely got was large. And it's not just about a single can, it's about both. So, there's two, there's two instances in question. One. Where Dylan Mulvaney received a commemorative can from Bud Light. I don't care about that so much. But the other was that Dylan Mulvaney was apparently a brand ambassador for Bud Light. There's a video of Dylan dancing around in a bathtub, shaking and convulsing while drinking beer. This is, first for me, Bud Light sponsoring what is effectively Elsa Gate 2.0 algorithmic corruption. That's bad. They should not do it. More importantly, this is Bud Light marketing booze to children. And they, I mean, that's the craziest thing to me. Uh, but you know what? That's just me. I'm not some like, you know, people are complaining about Jack Daniels and Coors and Yingling having like LGBT Pride I don't care about any of that. Of course, people at Pride events drink beer and of course they can. The issue is Dylan Mulvaney is not those things. And selling it to kids Okay, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, if you want to target demographic of teenagers because they even had their VP come out and say it's a dying brand, we got to get young people. How young? Dylan Mulvaney's audience are teenagers and the average user of TikTok is under 21. Yes, that's right. They flat out said their goal is to market to kids under age to sell beer to as they get older. That's their plan. Yeah, like Joe Camel. The media, of course, is lying about it. But let me let me say this about their, not, their non-apology. Don Jr. is basically saying no, they're conservative leaning. Stop the boycott. And a bunch of people have started dragging Don Jr. Being like, "Are you kidding me?" Absolutely not. First of all, I'm going to say it again. I do not drink this garbage. If I have beer, it's not going to be garbage. You know, it's going to be something better. Just put it simply. Put maybe a microbrew or whatever. But the media's desperate attempt to lie about this. And the smears against me and many others, I think proves that uh, over target. I've made this point several times and, and, it, and it's in line with a conversation around Dylan Mulvaney. I can tweet something like, you know, spay, and, and, and what the funny thing is, I said this all last week, not a single hit piece, spay and to your kids to prevent overpopulation and end climate change, not a peep, not a peep. Ask yourself why that is. Isn't that like a horrifying thing to say? sterilize your kids, abort your kids. It prevents global, you know, overpopulation and global climate change. They don't care when I say those things. They don't care. I think the reason is, one, they probably agree. too. they don't want to highlight that point. They don't want to go to people and be like, oh, by the way, like the things you're doing, like, yeah, you're not going to have kids. You know, the conservatives are having more kids. They don't want to highlight it. But this story, gets endless attention. And they say, oh, the right's whinging, the right is whining. Let me show you how I know we are over target by saying we will not drink Anheuser-Busch products. And I will stress: Friday at the Vulcan Theater in Austin, Texas, for our event, we did not serve any Anheuser-Busch products. And that was a sold-out show. Sold-out, baby. A lot of booze got drunk that night. Have you seen the price of gold lately? At 877 646 5347. Again, that's 877 646 5347. And none of it was Anheuser-Busch. And it could have been. It could have been. Because right before the show's going live, we see the notice that Anheuser-Busch put out their statement. And I said, they put out, they apologized. And I was like, no. If they apologized, I'd have jumped up on stage and started cheering and cracking open a Bud Light and be like, it's on me. If they apologized, they did not. Because what Anheuser-Busch said that day was, we don't care that much about you. We care enough to address it because we're worried, but not enough to say to you, our loyal fan base, we're sorry. Here's the funny thing. They may as well have when they said we never intend to be part of a conversation that was divisive, they could have just said, We're sorry, but but here I guess here's the reason they couldn't do it. They need they would have needed to have said, and they need to say now, we're sorry for working or sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney. And if they didn't actually do that, they could have said, This was a low-level marketing individual who took it upon themselves to give an influencer with a large following a beer and beers. We're sorry it went this far. We didn't think too much about it. I mean, look, if it was me, if I was like the CEO, and as the story goes, apparently like Don Jr., I think I said, it's like a rogue employee who did this or something. If it was me and that was the case, or I'll tell you what, if it was me anyway, I'd, I'd come out and be like, guys, low-level marketing person decided to, to hand out beers to a bunch of different influencers. They don't know anything about this. We did not realize how uh, upsetting it would be. For, for us to to uh, give this person beers and have them do a video. So we're sorry for having done that. And uh, we won't do it in the future. Would that be so hard? I don't even think they'd get backlash from the left for saying something like that. They just write articles being like, you know, Bud Light's apologizing or something. But take a look at how the media lies. And this is what we must overcome. And this is why we need an apology. Bud, Life, Bud Light chief says he never intended boycott over trans star Dylan Mulvaney. What? That's a fake headline. The headline right there is fake. This is what Budweiser is scared of. Well, you know what, Budweiser? Perhaps you should be more worried about whether or not people will buy your garbage beer when you spit in their faces instead of worrying about the Washington Post lying about you. Because you know what? Your audience, your 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 fans, they don't care about the Washington Post. They care about what you say. Here's the funny thing. Jesse Kelly came on the show last week when we were in Austin, and he said, for the first time ever, his neighbors asked him about politics. Why? Because of what Bud Light did in sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney. He said, I have my neighbors come over and they won't they don't know anything about this stuff. They don't know. They don't care. And you try to bring it up and they like, I don't know what you're talking about. But for the first time, they said, what's going on? Opportunity. Take a look at what The Washington Post says first. The Bud Light chief chief didn't say he never intended a boycott. He said he never intended to have a divisive conversation. As much as it was a flaccid thing to say, he didn't say he never intended a boycott. They're lying. That's fake news. I love it. After a two-week boycott by conservatives enraged over a can of Bud Light commemorating trans actress Dylan Mulvaney, the chief of Anheuser-Busch issued a vaguely apologetic statement Friday that satisfied no one uh, okay, I'm not mad about a commemorative can. I'm mad about the entirety of the sponsorship and the marketing of the alcohol to children and the sponsorship and funding, reportedly, presumably, of the algorithmic crisis. And a lot of conservatives are upset that they're basically promoting gender ideology. Yeah, for me, it's the bigger picture. I think that all falls into the algorithmic crisis, and I'll explain. Dylan Mulvaney is trying to be famous. Dylan Mulvaney found a kind of content that makes Dylan Mulvaney famous. That's all. You watch any video of Dylan Mulvaney, you know this is all about sociopathic narcissism and being famous. Do not support that stuff. It's causing children to become depressed. We got to, we I don't know, ban TikTok for kids? Blah, 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 blah. It was instantly derided the statement as a nothing statement on Fox News when fury over a single can of Bud Light, illustrated with the face of Dylan Mulvaney, fueled headlines for a month. That's not it, it was a video. Of Dylan Mulvaney with a whole bunch of Bud Light in a bathtub, shaking back and forth and doing weird like, huh, huh, huh. like, okay, I'm going to say this. This is the point about Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is not a sane and coherent individual, and I'm not trying to be mean. I wish no ill will to Dylan Mulvaney. I wish Dylan Mulvaney would be placed in like a rehabilitation facility. I want to break this down for all of the leftists who find themselves in this video so you can understand. Dylan Mulvaney goes in The Price is Right. Dylan Mulvaney wins and then runs around for about four minutes screaming. I'm not kidding. Screaming. I am not kidding. It is not like a woo. It's a "Ah!" scream. Watch the video and you'll see that. Oh, my God. And then rolling around on the ground and doing weird things and grabbing a pool stick and shaking this person's unwell. They have taken someone who I assume may have some kind of personality disorder who normally would need deep therapy and some kind of f- f- uh, facility. And I, again, mean that with, with full sincerity and legitimacy. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying Dylan Mulvaney, with that personality disorder, going on Ellen and then dancing on stage while screaming, again, screaming and making this deranged face. It's like something's wrong here. What happens is this person, who is so desperate for attention and fame, tried to make a series of content on TikTok with animals and nature that did not work, then said non-binary, oh, that one worked and got a bunch of views, then posted Price Is right, didn't get any views. Apparently, no one cared about Dylan Mulvaney until he put on the mask, the fake trans identity, and all of a sudden, millions upon millions of views. Because the algorithm is promoting these things to children. Dylan Mulvaney doesn't care for these things. Dylan Mulvaney just wants to be famous. So it's funny that Washington Post says over a single can of Bud Light, but then literally shows a different video in which Dylan Mulvaney is sponsored by, presumably, Bud Light. I say presumably because I've not seen them come out not right say they paid for this promotion. They're going to mention that Mulvaney is an actor, blah, blah, blah. The right wing backlash took shape within hours. The Mulvaney Bud Light video essentially served as a jumping off point for a different advertising campaign, one in which conservatives used Bud Light as a foil for their own demonstrations. Blah, blah, blah. I love it. Here's what they say. It is unclear whether the protest yet ever expanded beyond right wing personalities who often threaten boycotts when a prominent company appears to embrace gender fluidity or whether the campaign seriously hurt the market share of Anheuser-Busch, whose stock has re- steadily fallen for years. Okay. They said but barely 2 days into the backlash they showed signs they were worried, they issued a statement, blah blah blah. Let me show you where we're at. uh Molson Coors beverage. Molson Coors beverage over the past 5 days up 5%. I'm sorry, 7. Point, uh up 7.46% in the past 5 days. In the past day, uh about flat um pre-markets about -0.01. Okay. In the past five days, they're up five seven point four six percent. In the past month, they're up twelve point three two percent. In the past six months, fourteen point one three. Hey, year to date, thirteen point three nine. Looking good for Molson Coors Beverage Company. Well, let's jump over. Jump over to our good friends over at Bud Light. In the past five days, they're down zero point four five percent. In the past day, pre market zero. Presumably up 0.40. We don't know just yet. As of the time of recording this, the markets haven't opened yet, so you can check this later. But uh, I want to point this out. So uh, Anheuser-Busch is down 0.45% in the past five days. Meanwhile, Coors is up 7.5%. Seems like something bad happened in the past week, where from their high of 65.96, they tanked and then tanked, and they recovered a little bit. Now we can see there's a, an expected increase for uh, of about 40 cents coming when they open due to pre- uh, aftermark, uh, after hours uh, potential deals. Let's take a look at the past month. In the past month, Anheuser-Busch is up 7.76%. You can see they were rising at the beginning of the month. They were They were doing well. And then they sponsored Dylan Mulvaney and went down, 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 down. So while they reached a high of 66.73, they dropped a couple bucks. Meanwhile, again, Comparable, we take a look at the one month for Miller Coors, 12.3, from Walson Coors, 3.32. They have not seen that downturn. Maybe 20, what is that? Uh, We're looking at 17 cents or something. 17 cent decline, whatever. They're expected to go back up. The point is, other beer companies haven't really seen the same thing. Heineken's down a little bit, you know, uh, let's let's, let's do this. Heineken, where are they at? So they are expected to go down 1.166. In the past five day- days, they're down 1.85 uh, in the past month. They're down uh, uh, up 4.60. So a fair point is that other companies have done well. We don't know for sure. But I think it's fair to point out that Anheuser-Busch was skyrocketing earlier in the month and then dropped. So yes, I think the boycott had a- a- an impact. And I think if you are Bud Light and, or Anheuser-Busch and you're seeing a country music star remove your uh, brand from a song and change it to course, not only have you lost unpurchasable brand value, it was given to one of your chief rivals. That's the reality. And then here's what Bud Light's got, a, got for us on Friday. I love this. This is funny. Releases new pro-America ad with iconic mascot in the wake of Anheuser-Busch Mulvaney controversy. Oh yeah, is that what it is? There's a there's a horse, Bud, what, what did they say? Cans of Bud Light sit, in a, sit on a shelf for sale. Here's the, uh, where's the ad? There it is. They put out this ad. I'm not going to play too much of it, where you've got like a horse running through the fields and through St. Louis. They're raising the American flag. Oh, look at this. You know, you know, we got diversity right there, right? You got a, a woman with her hand over her heart and a, and a man raising the flag and the horse. He's, you know, he's, he's running through this country because, you know, he means business on the beach and then, uh, oh, New York. And and, and when it shows New York, it say people who never forget. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested in playing this game with Anheuser-Busch. If Don Jr. thinks they support Republicans, then they should know who butters their bread. There's a reason why companies pay politicians, fund them, we'll put it that way. And it's because politicians typically favor what they do. So let me make it clear for Anheuser-Busch and for all those who might agree with Don Jr. Let me say this. If anheuser Bush has decided they're not going to apologize to you, they're going to start marketing to your your opponents and flat out say, their VP, that your frat image is a dying brand and it's time to bring in someone else. I'm sorry, I, I disagree with Don Jr. They are telling you that uh, they don't care about you at all. And you know what? I think the reality is it's true. They don't. And, and, and actions speak louder than words. Simply put, if Anheuser Bush cared about you, they'd have come out immediately and said, we're sorry for sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney. It won't happen again. That's all. That's all. But they don't care about you. They don't. In fact, seeing that they did not issue a full-throated apology shows, they're actually a bit worried about offending Dylan Mulvaney's base. Are you going to keep drinking a beer that will not tell you they value you as an American? Yet, we're supposed to care that they're giving money to Republicans? Sorry, I don't at all. Actions speak louder than words. And giving money to Republicans means nothing if you're unwilling to stand up and say, simply put, sorry for sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney. We won't do it again. That's all I had to say. That's it. You don't got to say anything else. That's all. Okay, I see how it is. Hopefully, none of you are drinking that garbage. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Mass rioting erupted over the weekend in Chicago for three nights. And it's all because of nothing. Yeah, nothing. They just started rioting for no reason. Witnesses said police stood no chance. Two teens were shot injured as rioting continues in Chicago for three nights straight. Welcome to the cultural decay, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I tell this story sometimes that about 10 years ago, I was hanging out with a journalism professor who told me, Tim, you have the unfortunate privilege of being ahead of the market. What that meant was the work that I had been doing was too advanced for these newsrooms, field reporting, live streaming, live commentary. These things were just beyond the capabilities of these newsrooms. They didn't know how to implement this stuff. And they said, you're just in front of everybody. So they can't hire you because they don't know how. Yeah. And so uh, I will stress, I'm not always right about everything. Of course not. You guys know what I'm wrong about a lot of things. Plus, opinion-wise, yeah, we have a lot we disagree on, I'm sure. But, but there are many things that have gotten correct. And I'll put it this way. Right now, what we're seeing in Chicago is the perfect example of why I left New York, why I left South Jersey, and why I am currently in MAGA country, in, uh, uh, living in a mountain surrounded by a bunch of right-wing nut jobs. It's safer. Safer. People want to be left alone. They want to mind their own business. They understand the importance of hard work. And that was recognizable to me. When the riders crossed the bridge from Philadelphia into South Jersey, I knew that it's not safe anymore because cultural decay is upon us. And so I can say this. Well, there's certainly many things that I get wrong in terms of what may happen. You may notice I typically take a more tepid approach in that I'll say, I think there's a possibility of this, but I will also say, I believe that I've been fairly successful in making moves that have led to great personal advancement. Uh, And and what, what I mean by that is getting out of the city way better in terms of business expansion. Investments I've made have done well. I didn't buy Bitcoin in 2011, but I did buy Bitcoin. And so I'm pretty happy about that. And what we're looking at right now is exactly what I've been talking about. For those of you that got out of Chicago Maybe even a couple of years ago when I said and Jack Posobiec said over and over again, get out of cities, you're probably feeling pretty good. But for the people who remain in these places, I can only say it so many times. It's going to get worse. I don't enjoy saying I told you so. I would prefer it if I said I told you so to people who were sitting next to me, cracking open a nice cold, uh, I don't know, Pabst or something, not a Bud Light. And saying, it's a good thing we listened to you when we did. Now, many of you may live in suburbs. And for for the time being, you're probably fine. Many of you may live in areas of Chicago that weren't affected by this mass rioting. But yo, the videos are bonkers. These teens just went around stomping, smashing, trying to break into buildings. It is lawlessness. Absolute chaos. Two kids got shot. Well, of course, the new mayor stepped up and said, don't demonize these rioters. Here we go, baby. (laughs) I could not help but think of the uh, Culture War podcast episode I did with Alex Jones, Luke Rudkowski, and Shane Cashman on Friday. Check it out at youtube.com slash TimCast. Because we talked about these ideas, and and we've consistently talked about stuff uh, uh, like this on TimCast IRL. It made me think of Yuval Noah Harari, I believe his name is, who warned about the useless class. I have to wonder, is all of this on purpose, or is it an accident? What I mean is this guy hes a World Economic Forum guy talks about how with new technology taking over jobs, you're going to get a class of useless people who do nothing. What will useless people do? <laughs> you think they're going to sit around idle hands the devil's playground? And so what we're seeing is as people have their every need taken care of, as people have more than the food and shelter, chaos. It's interesting. I remember reading during the Arab Spring that what caused it was a high cost of food, the uh, inab- uh, inability of people to afford shelter, and with increasing chaos, insecurity. And it was funny to me. It was, it was um, what's that guy's name? The, the uh, hierarchy of needs. I don't know. You know, you might not know what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about the three things people need. If you don't get them, then revolution happens. I think there's an inverse too. If people have every need taken care of, you will get complete societal collapse. But, you know, maybe that's a, that's a bit strong. Maybe what we really just need is, I don't know, God or faith or, or or a shared moral framework, however you come about it. Take a look at this. Don't demonize them. Chicago's new mayor-elect is not constructive to vilify a group of rowdy teens that torched cars in rampage organized on social media, but condemned the chaotic takeover. I got some photos for you. I got some videos. Take a look at this from Raw's Alerts chaotic scene unfolds in downtown Chicago as teenagers vandalize cars and gunfire erupts. There is currently a significant police response taking place in downtown Chicago due to a large group of teenagers causing chaos. They've been smashing car windows, getting into fights, robbing people and using mace. There have also been reports of multiple gunshots and three teens have been shot while attempting to break into the Art Institute of Chicago. Holy crap. And this is what I mean by civil war. People just don't get it, man. When I talk about civil war, I'm not talking about the, this idea that there is a, a dividing line and you've got a Mason-Dixon line and the president being like, I hereby declare you will not. No, this is it. This is exactly what I've described. Now, you may say this group is listless and and they have no ideology behind them or anything like that. And that that may be sort of true. But this is how it begins. This is exactly how this kind of stuff begins. We have extreme hyperpolarization in this country. You've got, uh, uh, you know, as I often mention, I go hang out at the poker tables and uh, talk to regular people and everything's fun and everyone's happy. But the moment we get anywhere near politics, everyone starts looking around, you know, depending on where you're at, mind you. If you're playing in MAGA country, you got very little to worry about. But this is it. These people are probably more of the left persuasion, not that they're like overt leftists. But I assure you, the left will use this. Revolutionaries will use this. This is what they do. This rips the system apart. So let me tell you what I think we're seeing. I'm reminded again, as I mentioned, of Yuval Noah Harari. And the point is this useless eaters. These people, whether it's him or anybody or otherwise, have made the point. There's going to be a lot of useless people that we don't want around. And then what do we see? we see what appears to be the controlled demolition of our own society. I have to wonder if it's on purpose. Most of you probably assume it is. When you see these people riding, I mean, I could play this video for you. Let me lower that volume first and then play it for you. Okay, I don't think it's even coming through, so there we go. Just absolute chaos. Mass chaos in Chicago. Gunshots going on. What are they doing? doing Nobody nobody knows. Nobody cares. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's no goal. There's no faith. There's no mission. It's boredom. It's useless, useless uh, people. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I think people can have a use. I'm saying these people have no purpose. They don't know for what they do or why. And so here we are. Society is breaking down. It's happening in Chicago. You have videos like this, (laughs) and this is just one video police are completely helpless. That's what they've been saying. Cops couldn't do anything. Take, take a look at some of these photos. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll down. I want to read you this statement from the mayor. First, I want to read you the statement because I think you need to understand where we're at. He says, in no way do I condone the destructive activity we saw on the loop and lakefront this weekend. It is unacceptable and has no place in our city. However, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities. Excuse me. For what purpose would anyone in, in the hundreds to thousands go around smashing windows, setting fires and destroying things? If you're of the left persuasion, like this guy is, it's about not having opportunities. We got to make your own opportunities. I mean, come on. I can tell the story a million times. I'm from the south side of Chicago. Did I rampage through the streets, smashing windows? No, I just went and worked and I figured things out I navigated a system to try and make my life better. This is not about left or right, unless the left is it's a controlled demolition. This is what this is what I mean when I talk about civil war. I have said there will be roving bands of people engaging in violence. What you will see in response is likely going to be more conservative leaning groups, probably fairly moderate or not not political at all. And they're going to be forming factions with guns, and they're going to be sta- they're going to creating neighborhood watches, forming their own. They're going to call it Community Watch. They're going to say, you know, the, 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 the Lakeview Community Watch Group, here's the best part. If you're a member of a Community Watch Group, and then one of these uh, bands of uh, riotous teenagers makes their way into your neighborhood and starts attacking people, and you defend yourself, congratulations. It's now a conspiracy to commit murder charge. That's anarcho-tyranny. And it's going to happen. It has happened already. That's why we were talking to uh, we've talked to some lawyers who said not to form community watch groups, because then you'll get charged with conspiracy when you try and protect yourself. It's better just to protect your neighborhood and not say much else about it. But this is where it goes. Anarcho tyranny, violent riots. And I've already warned. You'll be sitting in your home. This group of people will be screaming, demanding your blood, and the police will say there is nothing we can do to stop this riot, but we can try and calm things down by arresting the person they're mad at. And it will happen. Your constitution is a piece of paper. Did you see that story out of New York this morning? Post Postman had the clip. It was the, sh- the, the, the bodega shopkeep. A woman came in and said she wanted potato chips. I think it was potato chips. And he said, ma'am, your card was declined. So her boyfriend went over and mercilessly, mercilessly started beating him. And the woman stabbed him. Because they wanted potato chips. Now, they could have just taken them and walked out. Nope. They decided to kill the shopkeeper. He fought back. He grabbed the knife. He stabbed back. He was criminally charged with attempted with, it, uh, with murder. Sent to Rikers Island. That's the point. They want the chaos. They like the chaos. These people who are ripping society apart are doing what they want. Why? Those of us who believe in hard work, personal responsibility, who believe in humanity. We don't want the system torn apart. We don't want violence. They do. They want to rip the system to its core so they can build a new one. So what will happen is when these people go around smashing things, and if you live in Lakeview, if you live in the Gold Coast, if you live anywhere near downtown, near Navy Pier in these apartments, and you can't go outside because of three nights of rioting, yeah, maybe maybe you'll understand what I was talking about when I said get out of cities. But here's the worst case scenario. When you do go outside and you, in the morning even, you're like the riding's over. And then you look around at all the chaos and the destruction and the smashed glass. You go to your car. It was set on fire. That's right. They were torching cars. You say, well, I no longer have a car. What are you going to do? Who are you going to call? Nobody. And then what happens? You call your insurance company and you say, my car was set on fire and completely destroyed. And they did. I don't know if they have photos of it, but they torched. A, OK, there they do. They do. When you go to the when you go to your insurance company, they're going to say, sir, these riots have been going on for days. Why did you park here? Well, I live here, sir. We're not responsible for you parking your car in a riot. And then your thirty, forty 30, $40,000 Tesla gone. Let's say you got something worse than that. Old junker, you're probably not going to have insurance for this anyway. Your car's just gone. They don't care about you.
1: America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.
0: And so what happens? This is what we see when society breaks down. Roving bands engaging in violence. And it's worse than we've ever seen. And this is the craziest thing is that, like, I didn't expect to be right so soon about this. But there are going to be a lot of people who will will deny it. This past weekend, met some fans. One of these dudes, I don't know, maybe he's watching now, said that he just tuned out social media. He didn't want to pay attention anymore. His life has vastly improved since tuning it all out. And I felt bad when I heard that. I'm like, you know, I get it. When I go out on the weekends and try to just, uh, I don't know, chill. I like going to the poker club, going to the uh, casino and playing some Hold'em. One, two, no limit, $300 buy-in. And the reason I do is because it's basically like, I don't know, what does it cost? Like 10 bucks an hour for entertainment. It's very cheap. It's, you know, people who don't understand poker, they think it's expensive. It's, It's not really that expensive. You can play for like 12 hours and actually leave completely even if you know what you're doing. It's not like I'm just wasting money or anything. I'm just trying to, you know, get away and play a little math game, a little people game. And so when I heard this, I felt, you know, I get it. When I was in Egypt, and I talk about this a lot, you see the revolution, you see people screaming, the government was literally collapsing, APCs shutting down bridges. We had to flee pretty quickly because they were shutting down the country. And there were a lot of, and and, and while we were there, we actually went to Heliopolis City, went to the mall, walked around, went to a fast food restaurant, sat there, and seemingly everything was normal. But you know, coming from the outside, I knew it wasn't. I knew that despite the fact that uh, people were seemingly living normal lives and just eating whatever they wanted to eat and doing whatever they wanted, buying whatever they wanted, buying cell phones and drones and all that stuff, I knew their government was in collapse. And for the most part, people got by. But when the new government took over, they went and massacred a bunch of people in Nasser City and started killing people who are Muslim. So hmm. to those people who say, like, I tuned the news out, I don't want to pay attention to it, I'm like, yeah, that's fine, I guess. But one day it might be you. One day it may be you standing there with your friends outside when a giant mob of people is running and screaming. And you're standing there in the street being like, what's going on? Like, what are these people doing? And then one of them runs up, pulls out a gun and just shoots you. (laughs) Why? (laughs) No reason. They had no reason to torch the cars. They had no reason to smash the windows. But a couple people got shot trying to break into the Art Institute, apparently. And it happens. It could be you driving your car in Provo, Utah, when someone runs up to your vehicle and puts a bullet in your arm, like we saw. It could be you driving your car in Austin, Texas, when a man with an AK 47 surround, uh, surrounds your vehicle with a bunch of violent extremists holding that weapon low, ready. And when you panic and shoot him, you get arrested. And so that's the crazy thing. When I hear people say, like, I just tuned it all out, I don't wanna hear about it. I'm like, okay, you know, one day. You'll be walking down the street and this will happen to you and you will see this and you won't know why it's happening. To those that paid attention, you know, I get it. It may be scary. It may be depressing. The good news is those of you that listened, you got out of cities, you bought some chickens, you got some farm fresh eggs, and I'll tell you where you were. Where you were was just someone who got out of the city and maybe got your own house. Maybe you rented or something. When you bought the chickens, you thought it was maybe silly but then they started laying eggs. Then the price of eggs went up to like seven bucks a carton. I think in some places it was like 10. No matter for you, you got too many eggs. You got eggs in the br- for breakfast. Now, eggs are just one thing. Hey, but milk, bread, and eggs, that's a, st- a staple for everybody, right? So for you, you were thinking, eh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was the right move. I'm happier, fresh air, no lockdowns. And then the rioting happened. Now you, are sitting in your backyard sipping a nice sweet tea with uh, some eggs just waiting there in the chicken coop for you to go have for breakfast. And you look at your phone and you see where you used to live. They are rampaging through the city and destroying things and people are being shot and beaten. And you're like, wow, I'm sure glad I paid attention to what was going on and got the F out of there. Now, a lot of people tell me, Tim, it's too hard. I can't do it. And I'm like, yo, I get it. I didn't say it was easy. I never said it was easy. I empathize. But I just want to make one thing clear. Whether or not you can or can't is completely irrelevant. It's whether or not you feel the pressure. And so for a lot of people, they decided, I don't know if it's going to get that bad, but I'm going to get out just in case. I did. I was in New York and several bombs were planted. They were planted. I mean, look at these videos. It's crazy. Bombs were planted in, in Manhattan and New Jer- uh, Jersey City. I lived in the Jersey side. I, I, I lived on Myrtle and Myrtle and Nostrand in uh, in Brooklyn. I think it's like the, what is was like a bedside or something. I lived there. And uh, one day I look out my window. I get a I get a text saying, are you near the shooting? And I look out my window and uh, sure enough, there's police everywhere. The lights had been shut off. Two cops had been assassinated by a black supremacist. He fled and then killed himself. And I was like, wow, man, this racial stuff is getting crazy. You know, I I don't want to live in this city anymore. The protests, the violence. So I left. The first thing I did was I went down to Miami uh, uh, for a year and then decided to move back to the New York area after I left working for Fusion. I went down there because I was working for them. And I decided to go to the Jersey side because I'm still in the New York metro, but out of the city. That's when the bombs were planted, a bomb in Manhattan and a bomb in Jersey City. And I was like, I'm not even safe here. So I went to I, I moved to a, a southern part of the New York metro and then Ultimately decided that I needed to get a place of my own and get away from the city, just the metro entirely, and went to South Jersey. That's when the riots crossed the bridge, and I said, "I'm not even safe down here." And now we're in MAGA Country in West Virginia. For the most part, we're completely fine. Now you see what's happening in Chicago. I got out early, and I'm. I think it's. I think it's fair to say that I made a lot of the a lot of right decisions, a lot of correct decisions in getting away from these places. Because Philly's gone absolutely bonkers haywire with violence and shootings and, and things like that. And so here I am now in MAGA country looking at these stories of Chicago, where I'm from, where I used to live. And there's a reason why I got out of Chicago, too, because I knew it was getting bad. I had been shot at on more than one occasion in Chicago. I think like two or three, to be honest. No, I don't want to say like 50 or anything. And for no reason, me and my brother are driving. We get off, um, I think we were on, uh, off 290 at Independence when someone in the car... Driving past us, just points a gun at us and shoots at us. No reason. No idea why. That's Chicago. And now we're watching this. Perhaps it's the controlled demolition of our country. Perhaps it's because there's too many useless eaters. But it's happening right now. So look at these videos. And you might think, oh, it's only a few hundred, maybe a few thousand people. It's three nights in a row. They're jumping on buses. They're smashing windows. And the police could do nothing to stop it. Nothing. Look at this. A Tesla was torched. And it's in the middle of the road. I have to imagine someone probably fled from it. It wasn't like it was just parked on the side of the road. I have to imagine that someone was in the car, got surrounded, attacked, and they fled. That's the nature of where we are. And I can only imagine that it's going to get worse. The police can't do anything. They won't do anything. The DAs won't do anything. In fact, they're contributing to it. Oh, they'll arrest the guy who defends himself, but not these these teenagers. No, 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 no. Don't demonize them, says the mayor. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. I would presume that Hank Green's audience are what we would describe as default liberal to leftist. And that is most people who don't pay attention to the news or know what's going on probably fall into the default liberal camp. I think that's how Andrew Breitbart described it. Well, Hank Green was shocked once again to discover that just shy of half of his audience wants humans not to exist. In a poll, he said, which universe is the better one? One with humans, one without humans. 66,000 votes. I, of course, voted for the one with humans because I'm human and I think humans are pretty good. 41.2% said one without humans. Hank Green responded, I keep trying to do other versions of this poll thinking that there's something wrong with the question, but it really does seem like 40% of you think humans shouldn't exist. And I find that so deeply outside of my perspective that I need to do a lot of thinking. Yes. Yes. Finally, perhaps, some of these people may realize it's a cult. It's a death cult, and they want you dead. Don't believe me? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you, from Breitbart.com, euthanasia for terminally ill children to be legalized in the Netherlands. Now, of course, what they're saying is, well, but they're terminally ill. They're, they're, they're terminally ill, so who cares if we kill them? I'm sorry, euthanize them. Euthanize. You see... This is how it began. It started with the argument that we should have medical assistance in dying, or "made," as they describe it. So, Hank, let me lay it down for you. You see, uh, back in the day, there was a guy named Dr. Kevorkian, and he would go to people who were on their last breath, and he would say, let me ease you in to the other side. And it was a big controversy. Should we allow assisted suicide? The argument surrounded those who were already dying and nothing could be done. We advanced from there. At that point, we ended up with some of these people who seemingly nothing could be done, but in reality, some things could be done, but we kind of just didn't want to do it. There's a woman in Canada. She appeared in some commercials where she said that if she can't get health care, she would prefer to have death care because she is suffering. Well, the reality is a treatment did exist for her, but
2: they just didn't want to give it
0: to her. So her life sucked. And because her life sucked, she said, well, if you're not going to help me, then why not die? The way it was framed in the media and with his commercials was that there was nothing that could be done to help this woman. And so she, the only thing available to her was a dignified death of her choosing. When in reality, she was just denied the treatment that she did need. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think we can just give everyone every single treatment. Sometimes there's genetic diseases or other diseases that require massive resources to cure. And we just can't take one million people's labor to save one person. That's the harsh reality of existence. But you see, the point was, initially, we said, we'll try to keep you alive at all costs. And now it's like, well, if you're going to die anyway, but we're even beyond that to where it's like, eh, you know, we're not going to try that hard. Maybe you should just. There was one story about, I think, like a military veteran who needed uh, um, some kind of like a, a, a wheelchair or something. And they said, well, we can't give you that, even though they're readily available. But have you considered medical assistance in dying? And this is the point. So what are we seeing right now? Well, in New York, there's a hearing about crime, and the Democrats are defending the crime. In Chicago, we have something called the teen takeover, where a whole bunch of teenagers rampaged through the city and apparently are still going to keep doing it. And a couple people got shot. Windows were smashed. Cars set on fire. And uh, once again, the newly elected leftist Democrat mayor is defending the criminals. It's because they don't want you to be alive, Isn't it obvious they complain about climate change? They say there's too many people. They encourage you to abort your children, and they want you currently to sterilize your kids or yourself. So when I see a poll like the one that Hank Green put up and uh, 41.2% of his audience say that a universe without humans is better, I'm not surprised at all. But Hank Green is. Now, I don't want to say that it's all just definitively leftists who are saying humans shouldn't exist. I don't know. I just really doubt conservatives who tend to be more moralist and religious would make the argument. In fact, if you scroll through, you can see several of the people responding to the saying you need to understand X, Y, or Z. They have pronouns in their bios. So welcome to the current state of existence. It is a death cult. Democrats are actively defending the violent crime. Rep. Hank Johnson accuses relatives of crime victims of being props in a MAGA Broadway production. Johnson slams Republicans as jackbooted thugs. They don't want you alive. Not all of them, just enough of them, enough of them to where if a Democrat wants to get elected, they have to pander to these groups. So they have to offer up just enough. The teen takeover in Chicago, I covered it at at, at 1 p.m. It's insane. It's absolutely downright shocking to see the violence, the extremism. But there's no real purpose behind the riots. They're just, I don't know, there's just no society. There's, there's complete and total breakdown of social order. The police don't do anything. They don't want to do anything. The cops know that giving you a ticket is easier than arresting someone in a mass riot. And with hundreds to thousands of these people, of these teenagers rampaging through the city, the police can't do anything to stop it. Nothing. Nor do they really want to. I think this is always the intended position. And as such, why would Democrats speak up in defense of crime victims? So I'll tell you, my friends, you've been warned by me, by many others, that it's it's going to get worse. And perhaps getting out of the city is the best thing you can do. Take a look at this. I want to play for you this statement. I, ho- I hope Hank Green sees this. I think Hank is a good dude. Um, I think he wrote some books. I hope he sees this. I hope he sees this video of Jose Alba, which I'm going to play for you right now.
2: Just like any other day, I took pride in the hard work I put in every day at the store to earn my own money and support myself and my family. That is when I encountered a true and real threat to my life. After I simply told a woman that she could not have potato chips because her payment was declined. I was face to face with her boyfriend, who seemed ready to kill me. He attacked me violently, threw me around the store. The woman stabbed me herself. I truly believed they were there to kill me. So faced with this, I did what I knew I had to do to save my life. What the law law allows me to do to save my life. I stabbed that man in self-defense. But when the police came, even though I was injured myself, I was placed under arrest. I was taken to jail. When I came before the judge, the prosecutor said I was being charged with murder in the second degree. They asked for bail, even though so many people are being let go these days. And I couldn't afford it. So I went to Rikers Island. I was forced into a crowded and unsafe intake cell. Even though I was injured, in jail I didn't get the medical treatment I should have received. I spent almost a week in Rikers Island before bail was lowered and I could be released. I was forced to endure the harsh conditions on Rikers Island as an innocent man. I still don't know why I was charged with murder. I believe that law enforcement and the DA's office didn't investigate the case fully. They rushed to judgment and I suffered because of it. Even though the charges were ultimately dropped, they should not have been brought against me to begin with. I am now traumatized from the incident. I am not working because I am terrified for my life that someone in the gang will come after me for revenge. I was injured physically and mentally because of the incident and my unlawful arrest and incarceration. My story is one that should not happen again. Crime does not discriminate on the basis of a political party. It needs to be addressed by law enforcement on the street and by prosecutors in the court, but it has to be aimed at the people committing crime, not an innocent man like me. And the next time an innocent man does nothing but protect their own life and self defense from a violent attack, they should not be made the villain, but instead treated with care and compassion as the victim.
0: So why do you think it is that a man who was victimized becomes the criminal. Do you think people that don't want you to exist have sympathy for you? Uh, Sorry, but the answer is they don't. Let me stress that. If there is a person who says, I don't want you to exist. And then you say this, what you were doing is hurting me. Do you think they care? How could they? They don't want you to exist. Your emotions are completely meaningless to them, which brings me to this article. From February 24th, 2017, written by Yuval Noah Harari, The Rise of the Useless Class. Now, this ideas.ted.com article is rather light. But going back about, oh boy, six years, you can see where we've come. Powerful global interests think there are too many of you and you are bad and you shouldn't exist. In fact, 40% of those polls respondents, granted, that's only about, I don't know, 30 to 27,000 people. It may not be a scientific poll, but I think we see much of the same thing on many of the uh, from the left. They don't like people. They don't want you to be around. So what do you think is going to happen? You've all know, Harari writes about how algorithms are giving rise to replacing workers. And now in the Industrial Revolution, many people were displaced. But professions evolved, and people took different jobs, and there was always something that someone can do better than an algorithm. He goes on to say that humans are algorithms. We are organic algorithms created through natural selection. And now that we've created computers and computer algorithms, which are much, much faster and more powerful, humans are becoming obsolete in a certain sense. And he says this will give rise to a useless class of people who they do nothing but exist. But why? Why should resources be expended for people who do nothing? So maybe now you might understand why it is we're seeing mass rioting in Chicago, why it is we're seeing violent crime all over the place, why it is that Democrats don't seem to care. Let me break it down for you. If that 40 percent number does add up and it is indicative of what the Democrats are, that means when a Democratic politician rises to the stand and says, I want you to vote for me. He has to pander or she to at least 40% of his base who are saying humans should not exist. What does that mean? It means that given enough power, Democrats will keep enacting policies that result in the termination of human life. Maybe not intentionally, but certainly as a byproduct of the policies that these Democrats want. I love this as a viral tweet going around where I think it's Germany. They're like, that's that look on your face when you're dismantling nuclear power. And it's like coal power plants produce more radioactive waste than nuclear power plants. People just don't know that. Or they don't care. Or simply put, they do not want you to be alive anymore. I take a look at like Greta Thunberg. And I think she's more like a useful idiot. She comes out and she says, I will not wait till 2030. I will not wait till 2023. We must stop fossil fuels now. Okay, do what happens if you stop fossil fuels right now? I think within three days, 60 million people die. And I think within a couple weeks, you end up with like one or two billion. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, well, because of that fossil fuels, there's no electricity. There's no refrigeration. There is no food manufacturing. And people start starving. Water uh, uh, pumps, liquid pumps and facilities stop pumping because there's no electricity. And uh, I mean, the first and scariest thing is typically diabetics who require their insulin to be refrigerated. They go, unfortunately, because insulin's got to be kept cold. And if they can't, there's other ways you can do it. Um, I don't know the exact temperature, but certainly I'd recommend digging a deep hole. If you get low enough, I believe the, the temperature is around 55 degrees or so. So ice cellars used to be a thing. Go underground, it's a bit cooler. And then you could store things down there, although it may not be cold enough, unfortunately. With a refrigerator, you can keep things around 40 to 50 degrees, and uh, it's a lot harder to do. But uh, that's the scary reality. These policies of getting rid of fossil fuels, it means less people. Now, I personally do believe there can be too many people, because I think, obviously, resources are finite. There are some people who think it's impossible, or at the very least, we're nowhere near that threshold. I honestly don't know. What I can tell you is that there are too many useless people. I completely agree with that area of Yuval Noah Harari's assessment. And I think it's a bit of cognitive dissonance among the right to argue that he's wrong. Many of the anti-establishment conspiracy theorist base, many, many anti-establishment people and conspiracy theorist individuals would point to this statement and say, see, they want you dead. Well, certainly I understand that. But to argue that there aren't useless people, I think is, it's cognitive dissonance. If you are going to call the woke left a cult and these, I'll put it this way. The people who are riding in Chicago right now, do they serve a purpose? I mean, no, they're just destroying things. You can argue if your intent is to destroy the system, they're serving a purpose. But I do think, based on my worldview, there are many people who do literally nothing and just cause problems in which case there is a useless class. I don't believe someone like Yuval Noah Harari should be coming in and determining what we do with these people's lives. And I certainly don't think ending anyone's lives is the appropriate response. I think the appropriate response is to build a culture that strives for certain goals, that shares moral values. And then perhaps we can colonize the stars. Perhaps the solution to there being finite resources is, I don't know, space mining or spacefaring. In which case, we actually don't have enough people. More people means more specialties, means more technological advancement. I look over at my computer, and it's got these flashing LED lights on it. And uh, these light-emitting diodes, I believe that's what LED stands for, are fascinating to me because they're emitting different colors. We have come up with a process by which we can make a little object emit different colors of light. And it got me thinking about how way back in the day, purple was really hard to come by. In order to make dyes, they would have to get the color from something say, berries or something like that. They would then mash them up, mix them with something, and then put the clothing in it to turn that clothing a certain color. And purple was particularly hard to find. They could do, you know, I I think blues were difficult. Red was easy because they would get berries and stuff like that. Red was relatively easy. Brown was obviously the easiest, but colors were hard. So rich people wore purple because it was like, wow, that one's purple. I I can see the wealth on you. And now I look at how easy it is and how we take these things for granted. How, man, imagine getting ice cream. You had to get a bunch of salt, you had to get ice and cream, and then you'd use the salt to create, what is it called? An exothermic reaction, ripping the heat from the cream to rapidly freeze it by putting salt in the ice together, which, what, how, how does it work? The salt lowers the um, freezing point of the ice, which causes the ice to rapidly absorb ambient heat in order to convert it back into a liquid. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Uh, I could be totally wrong about this. My understanding is that in order for ice to become water, it has to absorb a certain amount of energy from the atmosphere so that its molecules can move uh, around a bit. The the chemical reaction with salt makes the ice want to liquefy, but that pulls heat into the ice, making it liquid. It's it's weird, isn't it? And if the cream is next to it, the heat is ripped from the cream, freezing it rather quickly. Funny how that works, I guess. Now we just put in a box... Where uh, uh, now we have machines that do it. Now we have big vats that do it. You churn the cream as it's being frozen by an air conditioning system. We've made it so much easier. And in in a sense, it's actually kind of harder, you know, putting salt and ice in a bucket and then putting cream around it. Not that hard, but you got to put human labor into it. With, with, uh, uh, With more people, we've created way more specialties, meaning a single individual can hyper focus on one element of one chemical reaction and then with all those people combined, focusing on various different things, you get an airplane or a spaceship. No one person could make a laptop. It is all the different specialties. That's why we need more people. Elon Musk is certainly right about that. If we want to travel the stars, we need more people. But I'll put it simply, I think we have enough people. I do. I think we have too many people. I think in, in terms of, let me clarify, in terms of reaching the stars and doing amazing things, the problem is we have weak men. And I mean that in the human sense. Because there's weak women. This produced a couple generations of very weak individuals, which brings me to likely what I think these, I don't know, World Economic Forum Davos types really do want. And what do they want? They want to get rid of stupid people, the useless people. If you're smart and smart enough, they don't care about you. You're fine. It looks like they want to engage in artificial selection, eugenics, as it were. There's an interesting conundrum in that. So I leave it to you to answer below what you think. Think about it this way. Thanos, he wants to eliminate half of all life in the universe because resources are finite. It makes very little sense, to to be honest, because they'll just keep reproducing. It doesn't change anything about the culture. Now, if Thanos said, we're going to eliminate half of all life, but only the lesser half, the ones that do less work or aren't as intelligent and aren't as responsible, I'd say, oh, okay, the end result is the other half, flourish, and then maintain that level of responsibility. This is the idea, I suppose, among these world economic form types, that if they create a crisis that kills people or harms them or limits their reproduction and then tell you exactly what they're doing, if you walk into the mousetrap, then you deserve to have walked into the mousetrap. That seems to be their worldview. The early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese, as it were, so I guess the idea among, as it's stated, among many of these people is they can set the bear trap. They can tell you, we've set a bear trap, but don't worry, you'll be fine. Walk the path. If you do not pay attention to where you step, that's your own fault. You knew there was a bear trap. We told you it was there. I think another way to look at it would be they've set bear traps all over the path and there are people standing around saying the path is unsafe. Please be careful. And many of these people say, you're just some random guy. You're stupid. I'm going to walk the bear path anyway, or walk the hiking path and step into the bear traps. The argument is, in the end, if people who aren't smart enough to do their research, if people who are disinterested and say, I don't want to pay attention, choose not to, and then they either sterilize themselves or don't have kids or abort their kids, In 20, 30, 40 years' time, there will be less of these people. It's a pressure system. That's why I've said, as bad as you may think it is, the end result is just conservatives winning. Because the people who want to remove people are. But conservatives are having kids. As for Hank Green, I don't think you should be surprised to see this. These people don't pay attention, they have no idea what they're talking about. And it's not shocking to any one of you who listens to this show. We pay attention. And so I have to wonder. Because Alex Jones told me this, check out the Culture War podcast, youtube.com slash Timcast. Alex Jones mentioned that he was told by someone that they want there to be a means by which information is conveyed to smarter people and stupider people would reject it. I'm paraphrasing. But the general idea is the bear trap analogy, that if YouTube allows a channel like mine to exist and you seek out the information and find it, they're happy you did because you deserve it. But if you are not smart enough to truly understand, or you are so blind you will march with the lemmings off the cliff, then they think you deserve that too. It's a scary thought. I I just think people are worth more than that, and people can become what they need to become. And this idea of just purging people that are ignorant doesn't make sense to me. I'm not saying I know for sure that's what they're doing, but I will tell you this. Whether there is a conspiracy or not, one thing is true. The people who abort their kids and sterilize themselves or their children, their, their genes are going to be removed from the gene pool. That's it. Period. End of story. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not making an emotional argument. I'm saying outright that's what will happen because it's what they're doing. And if conservatives keep having kids, then the future is going to be conservative. That's all. So I have to wonder. If it isn't intentional, doesn't even matter. Well, I can tell you this, Hank Green. If 40% of your audience thinks that people should not be around anymore— What do you think that means? Do you think these people are going to be having kids? Do you think these people are going to be having abortions? Do you think these people will sterilize themselves or their kids? They're much more likely to. That's the left. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Just before recording this video, I could hear a faint sound of a chicken screaming into the wind. and I thought to myself, I told you so. As I sit here in MAGA country, surrounded by a bunch of right wing nutjobs who apparently are just minding their own business and never bother me, I can't help but think about these stories like this video right here. Street takeover turns into looting. That's right. In Los Angeles, street takeovers keep happening and people are rampaging through the streets, smashing things up and doing whatever they want. Happened in Chicago. It happened in L.A. It'll probably happen everywhere else. Me? Me? I left the cities. I'm out in MAGA country and I got chickens. Now, as much as I love talking about chickens, uh, we have yet to get any goats, but uh, we're on our way to being self sustaining. I think it is important that we all be responsible, that we be good stewards of the earth, that we make sure we can thrive and survive and not pollute, reduce, reuse, recycle. And with that comes one get out of the cities, get away from the Democrat policies that are destroying everything, start a garden raise some animals and try and produce as much food as possible on your own flatten out your pol- your pollution fr- footprint and try to live in harmony with this planet i am all about that environmentalist message so when i look at these cities and i see these videos oh man let's uh let's 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 play this video for you you can see for yourself 1.2 million views <laughs>
1: A video into our newsroom shows hundreds of people crowding in Arco near Central and Alondra. After smashing the door, dozens of looters flooded into the store, grabbing anything they could. L.A. sheriff's deputies tell us there were thousands of dollars worth of merchandise stolen and a thousand more in damages. This as deputies deal with numerous street takeovers throughout the city.
0: Let me let me show you this again. And I, I hope you heard that numerous street takeovers. Take a look at this guy. With a smile on his face. You can see it. I'm not trying to snitch or anything on this guy. Just look at his face. Is the video. Yeah. And a thousand more in damages. Him. He smiles he deputies as he just rips products from the wall. For a
1: street I don't think he's taking the city. them. He's just Deputy, ripping things. Oh, he maybe he's putting them in a bag. Of laughing. Just concerns. look at that.
0: that. He just threw them in the air. A bunch of Trojan condoms. And he just whacks them off the shelf and they go flying through the air. He didn't care about anything. This is social breakdown. This is the collapse of civilization maybe not completely. You know, in my previous segment, I was talking about uh, useless eaters and you've all know Harari and all that stuff. And that seems to be the through line for today. Another viral video showing street takeovers in Los Angeles, just like we saw in Chicago. Are you still in a city? Here's my question. Why? Honest question. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, and I I, want to stress this again for this segment as we watch another one of these videos. People have said to me, Tim, it's too hard. I can't just up and leave. I don't have the money. Here's the point I want to make. If you're in your house and someone says your house is prone to fire, and the house next door is burning down, you might say, "Okay, well, look, I have nowhere to go. I can't afford a hotel, and I don't want to abandon my stuff. I can't just up and leave. They'll, they'll put the fire out." I get it. Maybe the maybe the fire's a couple houses down, and you're like, "Well, what am I going to do? Just leave my house? The fire's a couple houses down. I'm fine." The fire spreads. Now your neighbor's house is on fire. And you're like, look, man, I can't just up and leave. I get that there's a fire coming, but maybe it won't come here. What am I supposed to do anyway? Where am I supposed to go? I get it. You don't got anywhere to go. I I get it. Then the fire, it hits your house. Your house is on fire. What happens then? At that point, you grab what you can and you run out of the building and you say, I have nowhere to go, but I had no choice. And that's the position we are rapidly approaching. So I ask you this. When I look at all these stories, I ask you this. If you were faced with a pending disaster and you were given would you prefer to have 24 hours notice to get what you could out of the building or would you prefer to grab I don't know a backpack and run for it? If someone told me you have 24 in 24 hours that that wildfire or let's say this in 5 hours that wildfire is going to hit your neighborhood start packing now, get in your car and leave. I'd be like, okay. But here's the funny thing. People see that on the news and they load up their trucks because they've got hours. And then they say, we better get out of here before the fire gets here. Some people refuse. Some of those people die. My point is simply this. No matter how hard it might be, when the fire comes to your home, you're not, that's it. There's no questions asked. Hardship awaits. And if you plan in advance you at the very least can save some of your belongings. So here's the issue: I don't know when the fire's coming. I just know that look. Look at this street takeovers throughout LA, looting in LA and Chicago. It ain't stopping here. The mayor of Chicago defended the riots. You think they're gonna stop any of this stuff? So how long will you wait? How long will you wait? I mean, ser- seriously, because you're, what, what you're gonna say is. I can't just up and leave. I have no money. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it for sure. And like I said, when the fire is burning your house down, you'll leave anyway. When the riots come to your neighborhood and the smashing windows and torching cars and flipping them over, looting your gas station, you will get in your car and you'll just leave because you have no choice. You won't stay in your home and say, I hope everything's okay," because it's not okay. because bolts will go flying because people are being hurt and and injured and then random crazies take over your neighborhood. You're going to get out and then it will be harder. That's the that's that's the crazy reality of what we're seeing with these videos. KTLA five says a street takeover in Compton early Sunday morning was followed by a large mob breaking down the door of, ga- of a gas station and stealing thousands of dollars worth of products. Video of the street takeover shows a large group of people blocking the four way intersection with cars drifting in circles with tires screeching loudly around 230 a.m. Sunday morning. Another video shows several men kicking the door of the mini mart down followed by many more individuals ransacking the store of thousands of bottles of alcohol, snacks, and condoms. The gas station and convenience store sustained severe damage as a result of the looting. The intersection of Central Avenue and Alondra Boulevard was covered in tire marks and trash led to the sidewalk outside of the Arco Mini Mart in the hours after the illegal street takeover. The crowd, which consisted of roughly 100 people, dispersed in all directions quickly after the looting. Sheriff's deputy said they also received reports of gunshots being fired about a block away from the street takeover. So far, no arrests have been made. And do you think they're actually going to criminally charge these people? I find that laughable. Even if they can figure out who that guy was who was laughing as he whacks the condoms into the air, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Nothing. They're going to let the guy out. They're going to say, oh, don't you do it again. And they don't care if he does it again. They kind of want him to. I assume they all want him to. These cities are crumbling, man. They're absolutely falling apart, and it's only a matter of time before these things come to a town near you. Now, many of you may live in smaller towns and smaller cities. You're probably fine. I got to be honest. I don't think it's going to come to your small town of 10 or 30,000, but there are smaller cities of 100 to 300,000, and they will come. During the summer of love, the one thing we saw was that even in these smaller cities of around 100,000, maybe even 50, somehow Black Lives Matter rioted and smashed and destroyed everything. I think what we're seeing is nihilism to an extreme degree. People with no purpose, no cause, no religion, no desires. They got nothing else to do. They fear nothing. They fear no one. They have no families and idle hands are the devil's playground. And this is what you see. They say authorities are actively investigating and reviewing surveillance footage to try and identify suspects involved in the illegal street takeover and looting of the convenience store. Anyone with information is encouraged to contact the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Why? Do you really think it's worth your time to call up people who will do nothing? Nothing. Soros-funded DAs, Democrats in power, whatever you want to call it, people keep voting for the same thing. So what's what's, what's your guarantee here? I think your guarantee is chaos. I think your guarantee is as the crime gets worse, Democrats will keep defending it. And then you will see people say, and, and I'll, I'll add this, in— um the Hank Green video. Hank Green tweets out, you know, what's a better universe with humans or without? And 40 percent, 41.2 said without humans. One person responded with pronouns in his bio that some people just keep voting against their interests. And they don't know why. That person is a zombie. And I said they're a zombie because if they're on the left and they think it is you or I voting against our interests, they have no idea what we actually think. There's a funny meme that I saw. Someone responded to Josie, the redheaded libertarian on Twitter. And it said something like, I'm a libertarian, but I don't think gay people should be allowed to get married, they claimed. Or the idea was that they thought libertarians opposed gay marriage and uh, opposed smoking weed and all that stuff, property rights. And they were just like, do you know what libertarians actually believe they don't? Because they're a death cult. I have to wonder about that. What is it about a person that they're unwilling to do any research, that they believe insane things and are willing to live in cities like this? Maybe there is a component of nature in that. Some people are incapable of actually discerning. Maybe they're just not smart enough. I don't know. I can tell you one thing. Whether intentional or not, the end result is going to be the increase in the average intelligence of the average human being. The human beings who are intelligent enough and inquisitive enough to explore, to investigate, and formulate their own plans are going to uh, be okay. And the people who aren't smart enough and don't care, they're, uh, not going to be okay. Or at the very least, they're not going to have kids. They will not strive in a place. They won't thrive in a place where this kind of looting goes on. But there it is, my friends. Just like in Chicago, we see it now. lay. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. For those of you who don't know about the ongoing controversy surrounding Mr. Beast's crew, a man named Chris Tyson recently came out as... I don't want to say trans necessarily, but some kind of non-binary where he is taking hormone replacement therapy. I believe this is a perfect example of the algorithmic crisis. What we're seeing now is an expansion of this crisis. And I want to explain to you the finer points of this story and then the greater points of the algorithmic crisis. In this story from Sportsman, they write, quote, so now he can just openly threaten death to people? Chris Tyson's alarming tweet concerns Mr. Beast fans. This story just from today, I'm not familiar with what sports manner is, but the tweet's real. First, let me show you these images. You can see Chris Tyson on the left and then Chris Tyson on the right. On the left, it's what he looked like before hormone replacement therapy. And on the right is him currently undergoing hormone replacement therapy. I believe this is an element of ElsaGate. I believe ElsaGate has expanded to ElsaGate 2.0 or 3.0, whatever you want to call it. And this is its manifestation. However, it's socially and politically protected for, I believe, wrong reasons, but I'll elaborate. But first, let me show you what Chris Tyson said. Chris Tyson tweeted, at least according to this tweet from a man named The Real Fat G, and we can only presume this tweet is real because Chris T- Tyson has locked his Twitter account following people pulling up a whole bunch of his old tweets. But again, let me show you this one first. According to this tweet, he said, I did also hate seeing. The hate for me turned into just general transphobia. So I'm trying to make it known. Make fun of me all you want, but mess with the trans homies and well. And then he posted an image of a uh, uh, looks like a laser gun or something. I think uh, Android got rid of the gun emoji and changed it to some kind of laser gun. But still, Hmm. this tweet supposedly was posted 27 of uh, 27th of March at 318 a.m. I do not know if this tweet is real because, again, he locked his account. So maybe it is, maybe it isn't. They say it's worth them that Chris has turned his main account private ever since. However, he did choose to keep his other account, Chris the Alt God, as is. Interestingly, he found a tweet from that account dated March 19th, where he appear, appear, appears seemingly cool with the hate at the time, saying the hate isn't really too bad. Um, let, me, let, me, let me read this. say if, uh, however, if fans are to be believed, Chris recently made a threatening tweet to transphobic trolls that have been lingering all over his social media. The tweet was allegedly been deleted as of now. I want to make sure I stress this. I do not know that that tweet is real. But there's a uh, the reason I highlight this it's the most egregious of a series of tweets. Now, of course, as you may know that the 27th is the day of the Nash- Nashville shooting. That's why I'm wondering if this tweet is actually real or not. But the dude locked his account, deleted it so we don't know for sure. The reason why I highlight this one because we actually have a story. I can't I can't show you what he tweeted. I can't show you what he tweeted. Maybe, maybe I should. Maybe, you know what? Maybe, maybe we just have to go through it. On uh, this Tumblr, you can see this individual, dysfunctional crab, says some of Mr. Beast's Chris Tyson's tweets. From anyone wondering why he needs to apologize, I'm aware these are almost five years ago. But everyone who was targeted deserves a genuine apology. He has changed. I know that. But instead of an apology, he deleted all of these tweets. Okay. Um, what I'm about to show you you may find you, f- you may find shocking and disturbing but in the interest of science and helping you understand the crisis that we currently face which i do not believe can be solved because i think very few people are actually talking about it i'm going to show you some shockingly offensive posts i don't think i can show you all of them i'll just show you the first one chris tyson allegedly tweeted in 2016 it is a man it's the me- it's the meme of the guy shaking his daughter i think it's his son But uh, in this one, it's a daughter. And he says, why haven't you cut off your penis yet? And the child says, I don't want to be a girl mom. And then the mom, I guess, says, don't trigger me. Chris Tyson tweeted this. Chris Tyson tweeted a bunch of other things. He tweeted stuff. um, He tweeted uh, Hitler memes. He tweeted uh, about... uh, he was very critical of the left. He was very much a right-wing culture warrior in 2016 and he called Hillary Clinton's supporters mentally disabled. And it appears that he was supporting Donald Trump and he wanted a wall and all of that stuff. Weird, right? How is it that this dude went from being that to now being literally trans and on HRT? Elsa Gate. That's what it is. It is, my friends, Elsa Gate. It is Elsa Gate 2.0. Let me let me stress this again. Why is Chris Tyson now trying to take hormones to change his appearance and his identity? Elsa Gate. Okay, this is the algorithmic crisis, is how I describe it. Elsa Gate was a series of videos of escalating uh, psychosis that began with Frozen and children's lullabies. Elsa was very popular, so parents were playing Elsa videos for their kids. Eventually, people started making more Elsa videos to get clicks. It resulted in very strange videos where people would dress up like Elsa and be chased by the Joker and Spider-Man because these things would get promoted in the algorithm on YouTube and then people would make tons of money doing it. Parents would put a tablet in front of their baby, press play on, say, Elsa singing, and then YouTube would algorithmically feed Elsa-related videos. It resulted in very strange computer-generated cartoons of Elsa eating feces out of the toilet. I am not exaggerating, quite literally. And other strange videos of, say, The Incredible Hulk doing Tai Chi with Adolf Hitler as, uh, actually, I'm sorry, it was Adolf Hitler's head on a female body with large breasts wearing a bikini. And any adult who watches that says, this is psychotic. So why is it that we're here now with Chris Tyson? Well, look at his previous tweets. Back in the day, he was reposting memes, things that were popular. And meme magic got Donald Trump elected. You see, what was happening was there was uncontrolled algorithms. The algorithms were were promoting whatever it is people liked. And because people liked these memes and they were popular, people like Chris Tyson just regurgitated them because he wanted attention. He wanted to be popular, he wanted to fit in. There are many people who just do things because other people do them. And I believe Chris Tyson is exactly that. When the powers of the left realized what was going on with meme technology, they then quickly crushed things. Around 2016 is when we saw the rise of censorship of certain ideas, and this pissed a lot of people off. We started to see this earlier, but it got really bad once Donald Trump got elected. The Democrats realized exactly what had happened with Trump's election, and we saw the viral video of Google employees crying, saying we will never let this happen again. It's our fault. Elsa Gate has never stopped. The algorithm feeding people insane ideas messing with their brains persists to this day. So I give you Chris Tyson, how it is that a Trump supporting right winger, not necessarily a right winger, but at least online became a leftist transgender individual because this person, in my opinion, and I mean this not to, is, is to be disrespectful, but I believe this person, there's a reason why he is not Mr. Beast himself. And he is just an ancillary character in the Mr. Beast show. He is weak willed. He's a beta male. He's a follower. Beta male does not mean loser. Beta beta male means second in command. It's actually a rather prominent position to hold. I I think most people are thinking of like when people say beta, they tend to imply like omega male. And so that is the individual who is like scrawny and gaunt and weak and socially awkward. And or, you know, the the typical incel that people imagine when when the feminists try insulting them. This guy is a beta meaning, no, he's actually pretty prominent, pretty strong, but he's not in charge. He He's beneath the alpha. And so for someone like this, who is more of a follower seeking attention as the Internet promotes these ideas, they adopt them. This is no different than what we see with Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney tried to become famous, and it wasn't until Dylan tried a trans video that all of a sudden Dylan got famous. And then Dylan's desperate, psychotic, and evil narcissism took over. That was it. Well, I shouldn't say took over. It took hold. I think the same thing is true for Chris, Chris Tyson. I believe that you look back at his past history and you can see that he was simply doing what he thought would get him likes and attention. Young people online were very much in this space and they chased after it. He was one of them. Now that you can't get popular doing that stuff, what happens? I don't think it's so simple for someone like Chris Tyson as it is for Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney wants to be famous and will do whatever they have to do to be famous. Chris Tyson, however, is just influenced by the algorithms and told what to do by the machines, and then he does it. This is the algorithmic crisis and why I think we are doomed. Because Chris Tyson shows you that there are many people who are malleable, that when the algorithm simply says from now on, this is what's popular, He absorbs it all and says, everyone around me is doing this thing, and that's what everyone likes. I want to be that. I want to be that. And now he is. And now he is. You take a look at some of these tweets he's been accused of posting, using a whole bunch of slurs, insulting trans people. How do you go from insulting trans people to being trans? Now, I'm sure some may argue that he was always secretly trans and was just hiding his true identity, trying to fit in by rejecting it. I don't buy it. I hear that all the time. I've seen videos where it's like this dude's super ripped, and he was like, I tried to be a manly man because I was hiding who I really was. It's like, I, I don't think so. I, I, maybe, I mean, I'm not you, I'm not them. Certainly it's true for some people, but I don't think it's true for everybody. I think what's happening is the algorithmic crisis. Transhumanism. It didn't used to be possible to get hormones. So where throughout history are the waves of suicides from people who wanted to be the opposite gender or opposite sex, but couldn't. Hormones were isolated only, I think, uh, estrogen and stuff was like in the 60s. I think what we're actually seeing now is, as long as the machine feeds the ideas to these people, they absorb it, they accept it, they become it. Someone like Chris Tyson is not strong enough to be his own self. He is only able to be what the machine says people want to see. So, in 2016, he's pro-Trump. It was popular online. It really was. I'll give you an example. I worked at Fusion. They put out a video, and this is 2016. They put out a bunch of videos and none of them really got any traction. We, uh, I, I talked with the uh, the president of the company and I said, I can identify which videos are likely to go viral and why. Sure enough, we found a video called Open Mic Massacre. And I said, this video can be made. It, it, it's a good video. It'll hit. It's a video about a comedian that every time he tells, tries to tell a joke, the crowd boos him and calls him phobic or insults him. So with a little marketing mojo, some social media sharing, to put it simply, like literally just sharing it on social media, the video ends up getting like, I don't know, what, like half a million views or something, maybe more. And it quickly became one of the most viewed videos from the company. It tripled, I think doubled or tripled their subscriber base. And they got mad. They were like, no, no, this is not our audience. We don't want, we don't want this stuff. But that's what was popular at the time. That's the point. In 2016, people were rejecting this stuff, but they wanted at the corporate level to push something else. They wanted to push this. And that's around the time the shift happened. When they started banning and getting rid of that kind of content, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, everyone complained, but in a a short few years, all of a sudden, everyone's kneeling. Exactly this. How does that happen? Algorithmic manipulation. And that's what happened to Chris Tyson. That's why he went from being a transphobe to being trans himself. I don't think there's anything within him. I think he's just doing what the internet says to do. I'll leave it there. Next video is coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast Come watch the show live. And uh, a final thought is, if we don't get a hold of this algorithmic crisis, yeah, we're doomed. Or maybe it'll just weed out the weak-willed people and only the strong will survive. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all next time.